0: our lives intersect the lives of other people groups or even whole governments what happens next is what i explore in this podcast welcome to intersections i'm brett dickerson your host Welcome to another episode of Intersections. This is episode number 50, and I have chosen Sandino Thompson to be my guest on episode 50 because Sandino was brave enough to be my first (laughs) guest when I didn't have a clue what was going on uh, when we were still recording in a studio. Uh, now now I travel all over the place and do these. We're in the brand-new All About Cha downtown here, so uh, close to Sandino's workplace. And Sandino, I want you to tell me about what you do. Just give me your elevator pitch, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. All right. I'll try and give you the abbreviated version. I, we just had, talked the
1: other day. I got a horrible elevator pitch. Um, so I work for t- uh, two companies uh, primarily. Um, One is called Public Strategies and uh, I'm the director of urban services there. Uh, We do a lot of uh, project management consulting work and I oversee um, our work as it relates to uh, workforce economic development and uh, community revitalization. Mm -hmm i'm also the executive director of a organization called the it's my community initiative um and we do a lot of work around uh, strengthening families so it's really complementary to um to to the other uh, job that i have but uh, we operate several workforce development programs in the state of oklahoma and um then we also operate uh programs around uh, fatherhood engagement uh education uh, literacy uh those kind of things so just a lot of things based on really um uh, uh, strengthening uh families and and strengthening uh the quality of a uh, community uh
0: in Oklahoma City. Great, great. That and man, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's got a lot a of hit. stuff going on, don't you? Yeah. Sometimes too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm really happy that uh that you were able to squeeze me into in your schedule there. You know, you have your schedule pretty thinly sliced a lot of times. Because you yeah. have so many things going on all the time. So I really appreciate you putting hey, me into your schedule.
1: Well, it's like you said, I'm number one, man. So I had
0: to show back up for number 50. <laughs> yeah, this is a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is uh, It is a lot of fun to come come back and revisit some of the things we talked about because seems like all of the things that we talked about are, are still – live issues right now aren't they? I mean the main, the main thing that I that I wanted to hear from you about the last time was was about, you know, kind of a new idea that uh, you and John Dodson and and you know, several other people were were pushing at the time which was maps for neighborhoods. Yep. Now a year later, where are we with that? Well, things took an interesting
1: spin. So, um, it was, uh, Jonathan Dodson, uh, myself, Kamal Pennington, Laura Massinet, um, and, and some others, um, who just kind of really came around the table and were trying to, as concerned or engaged citizens, um, trying to really push a narrative. Um, so we did some work. Uh, we had this idea with maps for neighborhoods that, um, the next maps program should really be uh, focused on community and, uh, and really improving, uh, culture and connectivity in the community. And, um, and so we sometimes you had to watch what you asked for. I think we had um, a lot of success. We had a lot of good feedback. Um, and what started to happen, we noticed about three or four months into the into the effort, uh, we started doing little town halls in different parts of the community. Um, we had uh, really good turnout. Um, uh, on the northeast side, where um, myself and Kamal and others are, are trying to do some other things, and um, and then we we just kind of took that show on the road, uh, went to uh, midtown, we went to uh, the far western part of town, um, and and uh, to the south side as well. Just tried to yeah. talk to folks about what um, the next maps should look like, what it could look mm-hmm. like, and try and put that into uh, some kind of terms that made sense. So two. Interesting things happen. The first thing is that we got connected with, uh, Dr. Harris out of the OU, uh, College of Architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, a great professor down there. Um, and we got to working with, uh, his master's level class and they did some work for us and, um, start, really kind of start researching kind of what maps, uh, what a maps for could look like. Um, we really wanted to have that academic perspective so people, uh, we were just volunteers, just, um, kind of starry-eyed fools, I think, at, at, uh, <laughs> with, with, with an idea. But we wanted it to be connected to reality mm-hmm. and not just our reality but um but just kind of some research and some thought. so they did some really good groundwork um, put together a document that we have pushed around uh, for people to take a look at about the about the research and w- what and how a maps four could fit together in mm-hmm. in practical ways so that was um that was a great accomplishment for us a great example of what the kind of partnership we wanted to do well something else. Kind of started to happen once we uh, got this conversation going. You know, we started out um, being a little bit uh, uh, maybe countercultural. We started out by going to the uh, city council meetings and we'd have uh, parts of that little steering committee and then other folks who were just really passionate about Oklahoma City speak on what they thought the next map should look like. Mm-hmm. And I had that experience myself, um, and it was really interesting. I walked out of there, and I'll ha- and I'll say um, I had both individuals uh, from uh, City Hall uh, that worked in the building, and then others that were at that meeting that um, they just kind of grabbed me afterwards and said, "You know, we're really glad uh, that this kind of voice, this kind of conversation, is yeah. taking place." Well, um, others had that similar experiences. We got this conversation started, and um, it wasn't long. Till we start hearing maps for neighborhoods in conversations that had really nothing to do with our little ragtag uh, volunteer-led <laughs> effort. You know, yeah. we would—I ju- mean, yeah. we really just came together, friends and, and, and associates who knew each mm-hmm. other, and said, "Yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. Let's make sure we got people from different parts of the community, right. and let's just have this conversation um, about what the next map should look like." Seemingly, had the mayor on board. Um, yeah, so I'm, I want to make sure I'm, I, don't, I don't get uh, anybody in trouble. I think. I think the, the mayor, several city council members, were very supportive of the idea and the concept. Right. They were supportive of, the, of, the, of what we were suggesting. Mm-hmm. I also think it was a challenge, though, because um, it was a grassroots effort. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of times these kinds of initiatives, these civic initiatives, right. are very structured. You yeah. know, you kind of have this plan. And if you see the way we do things in Oklahoma City, a lot of times, I mean, there's a lot of planning put into it. Well, we just kind of said we know we have this idea. And we have a conversation. And then we want to let the community have some input. And we want to try and say, okay, the commu- we want to take the community's feedback and put it into something that's practical. I think that was a little scary for folks because... Um, from city staff uh, to uh, some other elected officials and, uh, and, and, and you know, other business leaders and community and leaders. And non-
0: non-elected officials. Absolutely. That do a lot of planning and negotiating.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a little scary sometimes yeah. to uh, get uh, a lot of community uh, feedback and a lot of citizen input right. without knowing where things are going to end yeah. up. yeah. So I think so. So we 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 um so we did have some support. Yes, the the mayor said, yeah, I, I like that idea. Of course, I got to get the current maps done, and that's our focus, which sure, I yeah. agree with him. Yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we had council members who said, yeah, I think this is a conversation right. that we should be having. Yeah. So we pushed it forward. So what ended up <laughs> happening? Um, after a few months uh, into this process is um I think Oklahoma politics swung into full force. Um uh our lovely uh friends at the state capitol, uh, I guess they're I guess there are representatives. I think they they still actually have to um <laughs> identify with uh the, the citizens of Oklahoma who elected them to office. Man. So we had, you know, some historic uh budget challenges and other issues and uh and then we had this one cents uh sales tax that was uh pushed the uh uh, by David Bourne and others right. uh, for the so the yeah. education sales tax right and immediately I think as the city um, as the city manager the mayor and others were thinking about this idea of maps for neighborhoods we were sharing I mean on Facebook social media completely open book here's the feedback we're getting here's right. what's happening yeah, yeah. I think as it they was
0: really picking up steam absolutely so I think as they by start by the time by the time you you worked your way you started on the east side yep worked your way over the south side yep by the time you were you were done with that south side thing man that thing was rolling yeah what? absolutely.
1: I mean everybody wanted to say oh, hey what about the maps we had yeah. to actually tell people we're not with the city yeah. like we're just this is just us wanting to take um these ideas and these right. concepts yeah. back to the city. Yeah. Well I think they warmed up to it but now because maps is a sales tax funded um uh, initiative. Yeah. I think um now people really started to sort of figure out what we're we have this ballot initiative for education which is a huge issue in Mm -hmm. the state yeah um and um it's getting some momentum um the current map sales tax is uh set to expire next year so typically this is the time we would start to plan that out right yeah we like this maps for neighborhoods idea um so you know maybe we could do something uh, around maps for neighborhoods um and we could push that. So the city, so so we started hearing that feedback. The city had entertained uh, maybe putting it on mm-hmm. the November ballot. Right. Um, they really start talking about um, what they would include in a um, yeah. in a maps four, and um, and then we have, but then we had this the pushback, the polls and things like that on against the uh, the the born uh, education sales tax right, initiative. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, we at that point um, found ourselves in a situation where as just community sort of volunteers and interested citizens, um, the conversation really became a lot more political than it was about the practice. Right. Because it was like, uh, if you're for maps, why are you against uh, the education sales mm-hmm. tax, you know? Uh, can you do
0: both, et cetera? So is that going to be on the ballot or not? When I interviewed uh, Councilman Ed Shadi, mm-hmm. you know, this is back in the summertime, you know, he, w- he was pretty incensed about ideas being floated about just sticking maps four onto the – presidential ballot right because he thought it was more a jockeying routine with with the state legislature right so 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 where are we now with it? i mean what's what's going to happen
1: what we decided to do was to look at a long-range plan so one of the challenges was if it was there was a conversation about it being on the november ballot Mm -hmm. i think at this point the decision has been to push that off into uh into next year You know, we have municipal elections coming up. Uh, There are a couple of other opportunities. Is that in February? Uh, Yeah, I believe it is in February. okay. So we have other opportunities for uh, something like that to sort of come to the forefront. Mm -hmm. The challenge that created for us is we thought we had until next year, you know, spring or or fall of 2017, Mm -hmm. before we needed to come back with a plan to say, okay, here's out of everything we've heard, all the work we've done, here's where we sit. Well, if you're talking about a November ballot, I mean— Right. It's like that's right around the corner. Our process of planning really doesn't include that. This grassroots sort of feedback doesn't include that. Um, So we kind of take a step back and said, well, we're not going to we're not here to tell the city what to do. We're not here to tell anybody (laughs) really what to do. We just want to carry the conversation. Yeah. People are talking about maps for neighborhoods. So if 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 that happens, that's great. Mm -hmm. But we kind of said we're not in favor of a, a November ballot because we don't think it gives us enough time. To come up with good ideas right. and good solutions, right. and we're going to focus on a longer-range goal of um, community planning, um, feedback, try and carry that conversation forward, and really try and stay out of the conversation of, um, yeah, you know, the penny sales tax for this or penny sales tax Oklahoma for city that.
0: Oklahoma City versus the state legislature. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Which was not out of fairness to Oklahoma City, the mayor and the city council. Mm-hmm. That that fight was never Oklahoma City's idea. No, it was it was the state legislature's idea. They're going to tell Oklahoma City and Tulsa what you can't do. Right. This is what you can't do. Right. You can't do this. You can't do that. Right. And and just try to lock down the cities. Because uh, uh, because you know there's a lot more open thinking there than the rest of the legislatures comfortable yeah. with.
1: Well, I, I I mean I understand politics pretty well, and I think it's just um, I think it's just that. I mean the cities have increasingly, and this is not happening just in Oklahoma; it's happening all right. over the country. Yeah. Cities have been increasingly pitted more um, mm-hmm. against their state legislatures, right. and that's really not healthy, especially for folks who are citizens of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like we love Oklahoma City and we love the state, right. um, so we really just need to get on on the same page about um, trying to create this positive change and positive momentum. So we've really – so Maps for Neighborhoods, as a conver, as a community conversation, we've tried to take it really back into a lot of the uh, groups and the organizations right. and individuals who we ran into in these town halls mm-hmm. and keep the conversation going there. Honestly, we want to see kind of how things shape out after November, mm-hmm. and then we have a great plan for reaching out um, and sort of carrying that conversation forward into next year. Um, and we want to do that on a time frame that really is, is responsive to the community. If the city decides to do something uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll be supportive of the idea. Mm-hmm. And what we want to see is a maps for the next version of maps that really does uh, engage with the community, that really does engage in trying to create culture and connectivity around the city. So long as we see what that, we'll been, be happy. What
0: have, what have been the – out of this process, what do you think has been the number one value – positive value of the process and if there's been any resistance to that process what's it been well so i think the number one value without a doubt um
1: and it's and it's really an encouraging thing to see is there is a unity and sense of purpose uh yeah. around the city you go talk to people from different parts of the city there's a unity in sense of purpose and it's really a unity like in a sense of progress. Mm-hmm. Right. So and I don't and I'm far from from a super optimist about things. So we have our challenges, um, in Oklahoma City. I think different communities have their challenges. Mm-hmm. But when you when we sat down, I mean, I've talked to policemen, I've talked to uh, folks I grew up with in the neighborhood, I've talked to teachers, we've talked to businessmen, we've <laughs> talked to community leaders and, and, and folks will come up and say unsolicited, Hey, that would be re- That's a really cool idea you guys yeah. are talking about. Yeah. We need more of that. Right. And this was from all over the city. So that uh-huh. unity and sense of purpose, that was the biggest right. strength. Yeah. Um, so I really came away from it feeling like mm-hmm. um, people from all parts. So we hear about like the divides that we can create, right? So suburban versus urban. Right. The yeah. inner city versus the outer areas. So Oklahoma City 600 and some odd miles. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing was... There was this um, – there were running undercurrents in the conversations we had, whether people were from, you know, 122nd and Penn or whether they were from 16th and Penn, you know, which are completely different kind All of right. places. We have folks come from uh, the northeast side, and we, and I, so, uh, you know, they could be – we'd have people coming from 23rd Martin Luther King, Creston Hills, and we'd have folks coming from, you know, uh, out in Sooner Road and uh, Hefner or Britain. And they were all interested in this idea of what we could do to sort of create better connecti- connectivity, create better mm-hmm. culture, and really continue to move the city forward. And they were interested in helping
0: each other see that thing happen. Now, we've, we've talked about how uncomfortable the legislature has been at, at the smaller, more granular democracy level of the cities. Mm-hmm. But is the city sometimes, are, are city leaders sometimes... Caught up in in concerns in in the same concerns about a losing control on an even smaller, more granular level of of, of neighborhoods. Is it is have have you found you know I'm I'm just kind of wondering from what I've seen have. Have you found that 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 maybe a rule is that the bigger body is always going to be threatened by the smaller bodies talking th- yeah. about democracy right. being more granular or like that?
1: Well, I think it's human nature. Yeah. Um, I think it's human nature for those who have the responsibility mm-hmm. um, of of oversight or the responsibility of governing yeah. to want to maintain a certain level of control. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative sense at all. I right, think it's yeah. I think it's purely natural. Um, I will say, and I've I've said this many times, um, and I've explained it even to friends of mine from other parts of the country dealing with other issues, because there's a lot going on, but. Um, my experience and my my uh perspective is uh city government is, uh, is the last bastion of like of, of the real functioning democracy right. um in in the United States yeah. I think yeah. and I, and I, and not to say you know I, I'm not doom and gloom as far as our democracy is you know under threat and all that kind of <laughs> stuff but just as far as like where government works right I think yeah. you know you you look and in and in our mayor is actually I think the president of the conference of mayors now yeah, yeah. but I've been able to hear um, mayors from Louisville and some these other places that yeah. have come to talk here recently. Right. And you hear the same thing over and over again, you know, a pothole is not a democratic pothole or a republican <laughs> pothole, right? That's right. I mean, those are the kind of things that that those are the right. kind of things that your citizens care about at that municipal mm-hmm. level. Yeah. And I think it keeps government honest at that level and it works, right? Yeah. So from that standpoint, I think when you start talking to folks in Oklahoma City um, about changes, or even just kind of pushing that envelope. Um, What I've seen is at City Hall, they want the progress. They want uh, this continued success, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They just want to have a clear vision because they have this responsibility. However, you have um, this era of information. We're in the information age. And so we know a lot. We know a lot. Uh, citizens are informed and they can communicate. They can connect with each other and we can come together and try and push change. Mm-hmm. So there's this interesting push and pull. I think it's healthy. I yeah. think it's good. And um, and I will say that, like I said, in Oklahoma City, I think that um, the government, uh, the, the city hall and those folks, they genuinely want to see success. And I kind of look at it like they're like a, um, a, a father. Who is like reluctantly watching his uh, his teen <laughs> daughter? And I, I have a daughter who is now a preteen, whatever that is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm I'm starting to look look maybe forward to this. Um, but it's it's like watching that that that, that, per, yeah. that child grow up. Uh-huh. And so I think you don't quite know what they're going to do. And so I think that's way that's the way that, you know, folks right. in City Hall kind of feel sometimes. We don't exactly know, so we want to make sure we, right. you know, when yeah. you were younger it was easier, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. they want to kind of make sure that they that they they know which direction we're going in. It's like all these ideas and things they're good. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to make sure, you know, it's it's realistic, it's practical. And um And we're trying to navigate that um, with them because I do think uh, the city of Oklahoma City is is well run, um, got well intentions, and they're actually very supportive Mm -hmm. um, of the kinds of things that that folks like
0: myself are wanting to see happen. Yeah. All right. Well, and the the city just – you know, the city planning department – I guess about a year ago, set up a new a new planning structure mm-hmm. that that really kind of goes in your direction anyway, doesn't it? it? Right. It's 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 looking at at mixed use development planning so that that na- that it really does focus on neighborhoods more. So that that really yeah. kind of that kind of feeds right in there, doesn't it? Right. So and that's other what cities might still be doing the suburban development thing, yeah. But it, but it was it was really unique uh, uh, to see. Uh, uh, to see the planning department actually push a plan that that discourages further suburban s- sprawl and 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 looks toward the inner part of the city and the neighborhoods and that yep.
1: Well, no, it, it, I, I agree. And that yeah. and that actually goes to um, the point I was kind of making yeah, about yeah. I think there is the desire um, yeah. at City Hall to, right. to do some of the things we're talking about. Yeah. I think they're just trying to figure out the, the safe and prudent way to do it, which right. is their job. And then, you know, in our job sometimes is maybe to push that envelope a little bit. <laughs> right. Um, so, the, so the new um, development uh, framework that was issued mm-hmm. definitely does encourage density. Um, so right. um, for the first time, I think maybe ever, we have um, pretty uh, specific guidelines. Guidelines for height and massing, um, and so from the from downtown central business district, core to shore, and Bricktown places like that. So um, what that means is that uh, they're 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 encouraging density, mm-hmm. and then they um, also had sort of lined out zones of the city right. um, where you know you would encourage you know more density sort of towards the core, the core, and then right. it's things spread out. And then something else that's kind of unique is uh, this idea of assessments. So the further you go out, um, again, 630-some-odd miles, right. of, uh, of square, square miles of square miles of the city of Oklahoma City mm. boundaries, yeah. uh, we've got a lot of roads, a lot of uh, infrastructure that has to spread out a long way. Yeah. So one of the things they did was um, uh, pass an assessment, also, so that uh, when development is happening in those sur- suburban or more f- further-flung areas, the development is having to help pay for
0: the cost of running the right. infrastructure to those areas, instead of all of us through our taxes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Right. Right. Which, which I think a lot of people were just not, just simply not aware of yeah. over the years that there are a lot of suburban developments going on, and all of us were paying to. to send the infrastructure out that way water sewer yeah. so
1: i mean i'll so give so. you a perfect example so i travel quite a bit and i end up having to drive um you know from downtown i-44 you yeah. know over to will rogers over to the airport right and um invariably i mean you drive that stretch just let's say from uh from from 235 over to, to the airport um and we've got new freeway we've got older freeway and then we've got you know state highway and that kind of thing right um, I mean, there are places on the freeway uh, going to the airport where I get potholes and I probably had to replace one or two tires. Yeah. And people say, well, that's just because, you know, we don't fund government the way we need to or, you know, we don't they're incompetent or, you know, they're not doing what they need to. Well, I can assure you that we we have a very well run and managed uh, municipal system. Here. Yeah. But mm-hmm. part of the challenge is those roads get the ha are, are having to be prioritized right. along with, you know, you um, know. Roads that are down by you know Lake Thunderbird, or right, roads yeah. that are up north of the Kilpatrick Turnpike, right, yeah. uh, where you have all this, you have new development going in, yeah. um, but we don't have any services. Yeah. So
0: we've so we've talked about neighborhoods, we've talked about planning, density, things like that. Now there's a lot of planning going on for the east side of Oklahoma City now, um, and and of course you know we could we could do a whole nother hour on uh, how the east side got in a situation you made a lot of comments the last time that I thought were really good good comments about about how uh, uh people kind of wide-eyed said, well yeah you know those those black people just didn't take care of their side yeah. of the city when in fact they're they're deeper much much more insidious processes going on there now a year a year later where are we with the, with the east side in terms of possibilities over there anyway I'm uh I'm really excited
1: about that. Um, in fact, uh, that was one of the things when um got the opportunity to come talk to you. It's like that's that's one thing I can't wait to talk about. Good. So Do a it. great a great thing coming out of Maps for Neighborhoods and a great thing coming out of these conversations about uh, development on the northeast side is we're finally starting to see some things take hold. And uh, and again, not to sound like a broken record, but going back to this idea of uh, people being honest about uh, the change that they want to see, right. um, we have good partnerships with uh, folks in the city planning department, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with the uh, with the Alliance for Economic mm-hmm. Development, with um, and, and others, um, all sort of trying to chip in and figure out how we can really spur development. So, mm-hmm. I think the most visible sign of that right now is. Uh, the project underway at 36th and Kelly. Yeah, and that's been a long time coming. So there's a redevelopment of uh, of that commercial corner there, um, with a, a
0: real a really unique intersection in it. Yeah, because absolutely. Spring Lake Drive comes in at an angle. Yeah. And that that has created really not just a four sided intersection, but what like a like a five sided right. or a six sided intersection. Yeah, I think like right that. now, yeah, right the now old, it's five. The old yeah. Spring Lake uh, Shopping Center, that, mm-hmm. you know, was established years ago. Yeah, a, re- a really unique kind of an intersection there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of the more unique um, elements, and very well traveled yeah. uh, because the neighborhood there, uh, right. Park Estates, is a is a very well established. I mean, uh-huh. really high quality neighborhood. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks that I know who, who live over uh-huh. there. A lot of nice things happen, of course, Metro Tech and those kind of things. So, sure, it just gives us the opportunity to change the perception a little bit. Yeah. So, the development that's going in there, um, the the property owners are just com- kind of completely um, redoing the space, and they have plans. Um, you know, th- so there are about six different corners there because of how the yeah. the street split up. Uh-huh. So, they're starting with the biggest one, and then they have plans, hopefully, to carry that that redevelopment wow. over. Yeah, um, and then, but we're also seeing, you know, one of the things I was really passionate about is looking at. Uh, martin luther king boulevard right. and really trying to push back against um this thing we see all too often in communities uh, around the country where you know martin luther king boulevard becomes the uh is is the place that really uh it symbolizes all the negative aspects of uh of generational sort of poverty and right. and, and, and and other challenges yeah. facing the african-american community community so um we're now Having conversations, um, maps three. I'll, I'll give credit is starting to bring sidewalks into areas where yeah. uh, we have folks previously, you know, wheelchairs riding down in the uh-huh. gutter lanes of the streets and things like right. that. Yeah. So we're starting to see some sidewalks and some improvements, and we're hopeful in these conversations with things like the maps for neighborhoods conversation mm-hmm. and the bond issue. There's a bond issue coming up right. that we're going to see continued uh, investment and improvements uh, to the Martin Luther King mm-hmm. corridor uh, and, and making those connections. There are several groups um, both investors and um just uh young and 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 uh middle sort of aged uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are trying to create business but also trying to uh create opportunities for redevelopment um in uh, 20 30 years of my life watching uh folks try and uh, do redevelopment on 23rd street I think uh, before this year is up, there will at least be one or two uh, conversations about new projects uh, good, starting there. Good, yeah. So we're seeing a lot of momentum there, and it's really been um, been a lot of
0: false starts along there, haven't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, there have yeah, you read about them in the paper. This is coming, and then it never, it, you know, it never absolutely materializes. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely, and it's been, a, and I'll tell you, that's been a challenge because um, I've been. Uh, Engaged to some extent or another with most of uh, the conversations around the development. Mm-hmm. I think the one that sticks out the most is uh, is King's Crossing at 23rd and Martin Luther King. Yeah. And, um, and I think there are a number of, uh, of, of challenges. Yeah. Um, I think it was one of the first development conversations, uh, really that came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was pretty ambitious. Um, I think, um, one, the economic downturn has yes. created some challenges. Yes. I think, um, that, uh, that the folks that buy for less have run into some challenges with, right. with sites and things like that. Yeah. And then I think, um, you know, it's just, I think with development, it's, it's just so hard to, um, to, to, to get things to end the way that they start so very rarely right, yeah. will a project end the way you thought it, that you started out yeah, with yeah. it going. Right, yeah. and so i think um in, i think in that particular instance with that project kind of being the first one being discussed all the best mm-hmm. ideas flooded in and the project <laughs> became very ambitious right but i think now we're going through that period of reducing or, or modifying those right. expectations yeah. to reality yeah and um and, it, and, and it's part of what makes development so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the thing we've tried to do uh, because of those kinds of uh, efforts is really set an example and set some tone. So you got, um, say, uh, Paige Woodson uh, development, which is happening yeah. in the JFK area. Uh-huh. Um, it's a redevelopment of a historic school property there. So one of the things we've said is, like, instead of trying to say what everything's going to look like, they have, I think, three phases. Right. We've said, here, here are the, the tenants that we think— Um, We should be following. Mm -hmm. So what we don't want to happen, I mean, going back to your point about, you know, how the east side got into the circumstance (laughs) it was. I mean, it's always interesting to me. People forget about places like Deep Deuce. Right. Yeah. So Deep Deuce is was the east side. So now the community has has been a bit gentrified or quite a bit gentrified, frankly. Um, And so what we've said is. Uh, we understand those dynamics, and we understand now is an opportunity for for Man. urban revival, you know, for right. and for neighborhood uh, right. redevelopment, yeah. in a positive way. So we want that to be consistent with the community. So when we start talking about um, the development east of Lincoln, yeah. we don't want the um, let's say the other side of Deep Deuce to be Deep Deuced. You know, it's, it's like that. That's <laughs> almost become the it's, it's kind of become the verb, right? So. <laughs> We have this area around Page Woodson, which is, right. um, I mean, it was the old Douglas, the historically African-American yeah, right. uh, high school. Yeah. So we want to see that community. We want to work with um, the uh, Presbyterian Health Foundation, the Health Science mm-hmm. Center, mm-hmm. and all those other folks that are talking about the Innovation District, all these great ideas. Right. So we want to see um, all of that effort. We want, really want to see it be um, sort of consistent and engaging with right. the community that's there. So, um, you know, so contrary to popular belief, like Deep Deuce was the The community for African-Americans. Right. And and it spread um, from, you know, the Broadway, essentially from the railroad tracks, you know, going east. Right. That's right. And so. uh, So now people think about deep deuces. It just stops at at Lincoln. You know, it stops (laughs) at the freeway. Right. Well, the east side um, of Lincoln, we want that. Deep Deuce to, to, to right. keep that right. heritage and to keep that engagement. Right. So um, there are a lot of folks stepping up to the plate um, in the African American community mm-hmm. and who care about that community to see that happen.
0: So good. we just we want to carry that conversation forward good, too. Good. I saw you at at the uh, the uh, Ward Seven. A community forum over yeah. at St. John's Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, uh, Councilman Pettis set that up, and the police chief came, mu- much to his credit. I yep. just, just my own, my own view when I walked out of there was. Well, it might not have been perfect, but I tell you if we had police chiefs like Bill City across the United States, we you know we wouldn't have near the problems that we're having now is that what what feeling did you leave that uh, that that forum with over there
1: yeah so um i'll I'll echo those comments and I want to choose my words really carefully because um you know, the, some of the challenges that we're facing um, here in Oklahoma City and across the country, mm-hmm. I mean, they're enormous for um, black men uh, like myself, yeah, right. um, experiences that I've faced as a, as a young black man in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want to sort of uh, uh, undercount that. Yeah. I will say, and I've said this to folks um, that I when I travel in different parts of the country, um, Oklahoma City is not Tulsa. Right. Um, it's not um, Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's not Minnesota, some of these other places. Right. And I think we've demonstrated that despite some people's desires, we've demonstrated that even if you go back to the Black Lives Mar- uh sorry, the Black Lives Matter march that took place here in downtown. Right. Um, that was a very diverse group, yes. diverse crowd. Um the city and others were supportive. Mm-hmm. You didn't see uh, the kind of things that you saw um, in some of the other parts of the right. country.
0: Minnesota. You didn't see armed uh, policemen. Yeah. You didn't see Tamaya. Tamaya Cox and I. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Tamaya Cox right at right after that for this pod podcast, and we and we talked about uh, how the police just just took a whole different approach and that was that was right after uh, dallas uh dallas yep. you know and in in louisiana someplace in louisiana that route as well uh, yes. they you know the police showed up they yep. you know they look like the pillsbury doughboy yep. kind of thing yep. with a big armor on and stuff and and our officers were just in knit knit shirts yep. i i tried to see you know how big of groups they were in. They were they were in no bigger groups than five, yep. scattered around through the crowd. There was no big police line someplace. So yep. yeah, you're right. It was a it was a very different kind right. of approach. And so it. and so
1: to carry that thought forward, mm-hmm. I, I try and explain to people that from my perspective and experience, um, Oklahoma City is different in that regard. Yeah. And I think it goes back. And we may have talked about this a bit before, but I think it goes back to the history, not just of Oklahoma City. Right. So this is the city on the plains that, you know, was built up overnight, right? right yeah. Which is even different, I think, than the experience you see in Tulsa, uh-huh. which, I mean, with the Tulsa race riots and some other challenges.
0: Well, yeah, Tol- Tulsa's a, a significantly older city right. than Oklahoma City. Right. Because a lot of people forget that. Absolutely. We, we, we just think, oh, yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma City. But Tulsa, much older yeah. city with a much deeper history and in a lot of ways a much uglier history Absolutely. Than, than Oklahoma right. City. Yeah.
1: And so, so the history that I've experienced and that I've been told of in Oklahoma City so I trace um, some of our success and I'll get to uh, to chief city in a, here in just a moment but to the history of the civil rights movement in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. so if you go back to um, to, to trying to desegregate um, the the lunch counters and those kinds of right. things yeah. right in the 50s and 60s uh-huh. um, you'll see police presence mm-hmm. but you'll see that the abuses almost always were by those who disagreed with this idea that we should all be able to sit right. at the same lunch counter yeah, together yeah, yeah. you didn't see police Least dragging uh, kids right. or mothers and, and children or participate. Right, yeah. what you did see is them. You saw them present. And you would, and you saw them arrest uh, people like Miss Looper right. uh, from time to time, right. and, and other leaders. They got, they may have gotten arrested, but it was always there was communication, mm-hmm. and that, and that's the key. So I think that that is carried through. I think it carried through in Oklahoma City through other difficult and challenging right. times, right. and I think it carries through. I think uh, Chief City, to his credit, is aware of that history, right. and I think he um, has taken the responsibility of carrying that forward. And so I think I think that's gone a long way to sort of helping uh, bridge this divide. We have challenges in Oklahoma City. I think there are some challenges with with law enforcement and with institutional structural racism. But I think we're at least willing to have like communication and we're we're willing to keep those those lines of communication open and give each other some space. And I think that goes a long way.
0: Well, I uh, just just kind of sitting in the back and. Uh, kind of watching everything they had they had officers quite a few officers from the spring lake division yeah they weren't all sitting on in two rows in the front right. row they were scattered through the crowd which is you know great and uh, but but as i, I was just sitting there, i thinking you know oklahoma city spring lake division is is all is Somewhat similar to Los Angeles's Rampart Division, you know the the Rampart Division. There's been so many tensions over the years because there, you know, there's there's some poverty in mm-hmm. that in that division of mm-hmm. Los Angeles there, and 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 there are various histories mm-hmm. of the way police have treated people in yep. the in that that particular division. And Spring Lake has had a real mixed. History absolutely that division especially has had a real mixed history of 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 the degree to which it got along with the people it was it was policing. Do you do you see improvement at this point, or do you see things the same, or what?
1: I think that there is a lot of effort to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's the thing. Like I say I don't want to be I don't want to be unreasonably sort of critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of effort to improve. I think if you look at uh, some of the things that the police um, do on the northeast side, so and it's and it's just so hard to sort of get that balance. Right. So one, I mean, cops are cops, you know, right. and um, and they're trained to, you know, to to um, well, they're they're trained to do their jobs, you know, in a certain well, way. well, they're trained to
0: win, right? Absolutely. I don't, like you know, you don't call the police to come and and, and see what happens and yeah. and, ha- and have the bad guys run them off, right? You know, right. they're. You know, when right. you call the police, you right. expect the police to win. Right. So, yeah. So, so you th- have a very competitive kind yeah. of situation. So there.
1: I think that mentality um, has a tendency to carry over, right. especially when you start talking about policing. So one of the right, things right. that came up was, you know, just the police presence. And right. it's a double-edged sword, right? So they, so the, the police presence is so heavy on that side of town. Yeah. But, but by contrast, the police do make – they make a, an honest effort. Um, to engage um, in the community as well, to not just be, you know, in
0: the car. An occupying also to, force. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Which to is not, the typical complaint that's been made about Los Angeles. Yes. Is that Los, Los Angeles yeah. Police Department, too often in the passages acted like an occupying army. Right.
1: And I think, yeah. to a large extent, um, the Spring Lake Division today yeah. is making concerted efforts not right. to be that way. Right. Now, something that's interesting, and it's really, I mean, it, it, this is one of those things where, you know, it's on all of us. I mean, we all had to take some responsibility for is um, is the, the diversity and the diverse makeup of the Spring Lake Division. Right. So it's relatively diverse. It's about as diverse as the state of Oklahoma is as far as yeah. the African-American um, mm-hmm. population to the overall population. Right. However, um, what I what I do understand with the police department and the challenge they face is if we don't have more minority recruits, yeah. it makes it much more difficult to diversify those um, right. those police precincts. And the challenge is that a lot of folks, if they who grew up in the in the area that the Spring Lake right. Division serves, yeah. it's a challenge for them to serve in that particular precinct because now when they're getting called out, they know everybody, right? You know, and and, and I think people. Maybe we overlook that a little bit. So a lot of the folks who do join the police force from that side of town or who have roots in that side Mm -hmm. of town don't necessarily choose or sign up to uh, patrol that side of town because it's kind of like, you know,
0: patrolling, you know, with with your family, you know. So it's like. But, you know, that's (laughs) a that. You know when Chief City, you know when several people they allowed mm-hmm. questions, just kind of free, open questions from the floor, which was wonderful. Um, uh, and I thought I thought Councilman Pettis did a great job. I, I want to mm-hmm. make sure and get that in here. Uh, that was that was one of the best public forums yeah. about tense issues, absolutely that I that I've ever been at. The thing. You know, two two things that kind of surprised me. One was how few black people actually patrol that that mm-hmm. that division that are that are in that are in the Spring Lake division. Uh, you know, when they had people stand up, sure. so it was like, wow, they you know there are just maybe one or two black people here. There may have been a few more out on the yep. street working the street that night, but but it's like, wow, you know what? Uh, and and the chief talked about, yep. you know, we we do need to recruit. A broader spectrum of recruits, but he, but he, but he also says that I'm, I'm not going to force somebody mm-hmm. because because they're black mm-hmm. to 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 only work in one particular division. Now, um, once upon a time, uh, black officers in Oklahoma City Police Department could only, only. work three to 11 and on the east side of Oklahoma City and that's it so I think you know what I heard there was you know within the police ranks right there's a sensitivity not to get back into that segregated police department absolutely thing. did you did you hear that sign? no
1: I, I I think it's I think it's um I think that's very true yeah. and real and I, I think it's a, re- a reality that we only can deal with by improving the diversity in the overall force yeah exactly um, yeah, yeah and one th- one thing I, I do think is is worth saying and this kind of even goes back to earlier comments about um, you know what's going on on the Northeast side so um, I will I'll give Councilman uh, Pettis some uh, well plenty of credit for this he is organized I think this is now the third town hall on like what you term the sensitive issues I mean economic development um, public safety these kind of things and I think uh, this might have been the largest turnout had so far well over 700 people in attendance for that event and and I think and so when you start talking about what's happening on the North East side and what matters and what people care about. Yeah, uh, folks are going to show up and uh, and they're going to express that. I, I think that. Um the city and uh, and other folks in the community have seen that, and they've started right. to respond to it yeah. um, in positive ways. They started mm-hmm. to see, okay, like, people are really showing up. Yeah. Um, so um, so with, you know, the chief and, and other folks um, showing up to talk about public safety, I think they yeah. also recognize that, like, we need to do this. You know, yeah. so you walk in and you see uh, St. John's, one of the biggest uh, churches on the northeast side, right. full to the brim yeah. with people on a – I think it was a Tuesday night, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's – I mean, that – people are there because, and they, and, the, and and the thing ran long. I mean, we were there for almost four hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are, are engaged. Right. You know, we hear all this yeah. stuff about, you know, oh, well, people don't show up to vote. They don't show up to nah, do this. They do. On the Northeast side, yeah. folks are engaged and they, and they're mm-hmm. ready to see what's next. Right. So right. I think it was great for the chief to show up and show them that Oklahoma city is different. You know, I've right. seen that because of where I've been able to sit maybe in history a little Mm -hmm. bit, I have that perspective. um, But I think it's good for them to show up and show that it's different. Now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go down that road. And that's not all about the black community choosing that we don't want to march or we don't want to protest or we're not um, disgusted or upset or sick about some of the things that we see. But Uh it's also about the police chief saying, I understand that you're disgusted, upset, and sick. Even if even if it's not my feeling or right. not my perspective, right. I understand it. I acknowledge that you can be that way. And then here are the things that we can do as a community to
0: respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and... I I think I don't I don't know if I said this the last time but once upon a time when I was a young person it was hard hard to imagine I was <laughs> once a young person but but uh, you know when I was a young man I was I was actually acquainted with uh, former police chief retired police chief Wayne Lawson mm-hmm. and he was the police chief during the the garbage strike mm-hmm. uh, uh, period in there where people were afraid the whole city was gonna light up and and it and it probably could have, but there were black leaders and and other leaders across Oklahoma City that kept talking to each other. And and Lawson himself could could have established a different approach but but he wanted the city not to light up and right. and and he provided a lot of leadership on that on that too and a part, a part of it was because lawson's first job out of the academy was walking a foot patrol by himself mm-hmm. in capitol hill mm-hmm. when capitol hill was a bunch of rough knuckleheads drinking knuckleheads over there a bunch of old working guys mm-hmm. over there and he every story he told was a story about how somebody had who, who didn't have to had just jumped in and kept him from getting hurt, yep. yeah? Because he he was just out there, and so uh, you know i i i see that somewhat um, throughout Oklahoma City's police department history. There there, have, you know, there have been certainly officers, and just recently we've had a horrible situation absolutely with a, with a bad officer that that yeah, that, that just surprised everybody. Uh, uh, city, yeah, city said he went back. And looked at his said we we must have missed something or looked through the whole thing and he said no he couldn't you know some people just just make a sudden turn sometimes in their lives and you know so then you have to react to it but Oklahoma City does have at least a vein of tradition in the department of of not just busting heads first right. but but talking to people and I saw that at work with City over over there talking that doesn't mean everything's just fine it doesn't it doesn't mean every officer does everything just right and and it uh you know it doesn't mean anything else except that yep. the police chief was over there talking to people absolutely and, I mean, so, and, that, and in a lot of cities that just doesn't happen right it just and, doesn't
1: and that's what i think is important yeah. i mean there is that history like that line of communication yeah. so i so i do think that's important i mean i think at the same time you know so i want to give credit where it's due but also to say one of the challenges for us as a community is we do believe that there is institutional and structural racism that exists. Absolutely. We believe that. And we, whether, whether or not it's widely accepted, we believe it. And so there are things like the, the body cam issue, right? Yeah. That we, that we also at the same vein, at the same vein that I want to say, absolutely. I believe that, um, that the chief and others Mm -hmm. are, um, wanting to ensure that, um, that we're empowered to sort of express ourselves and engage in the in in the political process or engage in our right, rights yeah. as citizens. Uh, at the same time, we want them to sort of hold the line, or um, you know, on issues like body cams. Yeah. Like we think the body camera issue is should be put to bed, right? And I shouldn't say we. I think. And many others that I know in the community mm-hmm. are, are are adamant about the fact that the body cam issue should be put to rest, like right. it because it helps bring accountability sure. across the board. Sure. So at the same time that I'm appreciative of the engagement, we also want yeah. we also want it to be we want to be fair and
0: honest, right? We want to keep it balanced. Well, and we can't we can't look out around the fact that the fraternal order of police their their objections to the policies that the police department started off with are what's keeping the body camera issue from being out there. Yeah. You know, I I I'm beginning to you know, I cover City Hall all yep. the time, and I I I see City really feeling the heat yep. here, which is great. That's the way it ought to yep. be. But you know, the Fraternal Order of Police has to accept some responsibility. Absolutely, on this. the police union. Uh, it's 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 time absolutely for the police union to step up and claim this. You know, the FOP president was at that meeting. He sure was, and he sure had a hard time owning up to that. And we, it, we wanted him
1: to see that there are seven hundred plus people right, showing exactly. up who yeah. want to know why. We uh-huh. why we can't mutually agree right. for something mutually beneficial. Yeah. When police are doing what they're supposed to, the body camera actually and that's the thing it actually makes Cities our job all over easier. The city are using right. body cameras. Yeah. Well, it, make, well, it makes it makes the job of right. those in the community who are trying to find right. that balance. Like right. we want to believe in, and trust and support yeah. the police. Uh-huh. We want to do that, uh-huh. and in many cases we do. It makes our job easier sure. because when you have that kind of accountability that's right bad cops get uh taken care of for being bad cops mm-hmm. and bad people
0: get taken care of for being bad people and every every bad cop that gets promoted pushes a good cop to the absolutely. back absolutely absolutely so you know it isn't you know yeah. it isn't a matter of, of of being against all right all police not at all i haven't talked to anybody and this is just just against all police you know the last time i heard that kind of Stuff was when I was in college at the end of the hippie period where, you know, there's just kind of hippie talk to be against police. You know, I just don't hear that. Um, And, you know, people want good cops to be brought to the front. They want bad cops to be. You know, go off and work at a furniture store or something like that, and and don't get out here and abuse right. people. That, that's all people want. Yep. That's all, and people it's a re- want. and it's a
1: reasonable, not yeah. just request, it's, right. yes. um, yes. yeah. um, it's a reasonable expectation. Yes, yeah. for us, taxpaying citizens, it's a reasonable expectation that the that, that that those are the policemen that we have, or policemen and women that we have engaged. Yeah, in the because community.
0: after all, the police are not an occupying army. No, they they, they should be us. They are us. Yeah. They represent us. The uniform represents us absolutely not 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 somebody or something else which which you know leads us back back to the whole thing when you were talking about that you know some some people who maybe live on the east side don 't want to patrol over there um, you know I read some things as you can tell've i read a lot about the history of the Los Angeles police Department yeah. You know, there's there's always been an argument within that department. You know, the reason why I do this because Oklahoma City is a big spread out city. Sure. Also, yeah, it's a sprawling city with a, with a big police department. Mm-hmm. They have to use cars to cover yep. all kinds of stuff. You know, foot patrols only work downtown. It's yep. the same. You know, Los Los Angeles and Oklahoma City have a lot of similarities. Yep. And
1: yeah, half of Oklahoma moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, I mean, right. I got relatives all over yeah. the place from. I mean, that yeah, I, yeah. from the whole Steinbeck. Like the Great Depression, I got relatives all over the place in LA. So yeah, so it is very they,
0: similar. You know, there have there have always been cops, especially kind of at the end of the fifties. There were there were cops that held out in that department that that people should have to, that the cops should have to live on their own beat. You mm-hmm. know, they, they that, that was a concept. It was mm-hmm. it was an ideology mm-hmm. that really kind of lost eventually in the Los Angeles Police Department. You should live on your own beat. Uh, if if you live on your beat you're you're not just going to go up and you know kick somebody's butt oh, sure. and hit them in the head and whatever if they if they live down the street from yep. you you know you are not going to do that and they they're going to be less likely to fight you too at the same yep. at the same time you know if if there's a sense that the police are part of the fabric of the community yep so so some of the some of the struggle is 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 is, is that isn't it
1: yeah well i think that's true but I, you know i i but, I mean, it, th- but again,
0: you don't want a segregated force. Well, well
1: it's not even, a, and and I think I think it's just uh, what I think about is the so the practicality. So what's changed right. in that time period? So I think you know the the idea of distance and boundary has changed a bit. Yeah. So for so so in my mind. What's more critical than you literally live on the beat because now, I mean, now what you're saying to uh, an aspiring police person yeah. is that that is the, the job is in this, com- is this community. So it's like you, you've really put a lot of constraints, you right. know, you put yeah. them in a box. Right but if you if you live in the beat so this is your beat this is your area yeah. that you patrol yeah. and you're engaged in that in that area yeah. so what we've seen is where you have police who engage in community policing right. so you don't have to literally live on the northeast side right, to right. know people on the northeast right. side yeah. and that's the one thing that I will say like I just I think Practically or mentality wise has changed, so I think it's important that police are of the community, right. right? Right. But I think it's also critical that their style of policing, I think their philosophy, is about engagement, and I and I mean. I say this, to, I've said this to cops in the past when I didn't understand like why I was being stopped or maybe more or more likely in cases where I was in a situation where I didn't understand what was happening to other folks. Mm-hmm. Like your job is to protect and to serve the community. Right. And what that means is not, you know, that you're at the whim of everybody's, you know, sort of will. Sure. But but your job is to protect and serve. The reason why police um You know, why it's such a a sort of exalted field and -hmm. and profession is because they're putting their lives on the line. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that, like, we should, that should not be an expectation. So we expect that you will go and engage in the community. That you serve, right, right, because that and, and you'll get to know to people, know the community, even yeah. if that increases the risk a little bit. Yeah, because it, from the standpoint of it, of you're not behind the car, like it's easy to be in the car, right. but we're expecting that. Yeah, you're just going to get out and go and talk to folks yeah. and get to know people and right. get to know situations. Yeah. You're not going to come out with guns drawn first, right, right, to right. A, to a circumstance even that might be a little sketchy, right? Because your job is to protect and serve, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not. To be and offensive, if you know right? the people.
0: Yeah, you know if if the police know the people they're policing. Yeah, there there is going to be a lessened sense of threat. Absolutely, both ways. Absolutely, If Absolutely. I if I know the name of a police officer, a police officer first time gets out of the car instead of pulling a gun, treating yeah. me like a criminal. Right. If he, if he, if he says, Brett, Brett, what's going on? Right. How come, you know, how right. come you're, you know, how come you're, I've, you know, I'm kind of using this example because yeah. I've never done this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, standing <laughs> out in my yard throwing beer bottles and yeah. cars going by, just st- right. st- 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 Brent, Brett, wait a minute, what are you doing, man? What, yeah, what's going on? You know, what is this? Well, that's, that's a whole different approach. Then, like, 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 you know, driving up on the curb and sure. and uh, drawn down on somebody yeah. and whatever. I mean, you know, yeah. when you don't know anybody, absolutely. Okay. That's yeah. that's what you're talking about.
1: It, yeah. yeah, it becomes easier to de-escalate, right? And that's right. really what's critical in a lot of circumstances, yeah. even when people are in the wrong. And don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to be, you know, sort of overly kind of soft um, right. on folks who commit crimes. Yeah. I mean. But the idea of being able to de-escalate a situation right, and yeah. get it and resolve it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. versus. And, and yeah. so, again, human nature, we understand those things, but we really think that 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 that's important. Community policing is critical. Right. Um, so that's what we want to see from the police force. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't live in that community, right. um, we want to
0: see them engaged with that community so that they know the people who do live there. Um, I I still remember how kind of caught off guard I was. Uh, when I interviewed Paula Schonauer, who had started off as the male police officer Paul Schoenauer, mm-hmm. in in Oklahoma City Police Bar and mm-hmm. then and then and then tra- transitioned into Paula uh, 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 Paula Sophia, mm-hmm. and 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 ended her career as a female police officer. Mm-hmm. Start off as a male police officer, so we it was a really fascinating com- conversation. I was talking about, you know, the different approach to being a male officer pulling up on a situation mm-hmm. and a female officer. She talked about that and then she said, But the but but the real goal there is not to make an arrest, it's to keep the peace. Yeah. And and how many times do we do we forget about that? Yeah. You know, cop shows on T V never emphasize that yep. we we think about guns yep. and arrest and prosecutions and you know all that kind of stuff well, we don't think yeah you know the police are there to, to keep, keep the, peace. the peace and if the peace is broken by the police themselves it creates a then, challenge. and yep. it's a real challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sandino, uh, great, great talking to you about this. You know, wide, <laughs> wide-ranging conversation, but uh, just as productive, probably more productive this time than the first time I interviewed you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really
1: appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me back, man. Number one and number fifty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is my honor, yep. Sandino. Great. That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guests. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life. So write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Stephen Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson.